like, I just had a panic attack. Now I have to work on myself, but Mm -hmm. we don't have to wait until we have a panic attack to work on ourselves. You know, (laughs) we can be building these muscles so that that panic attack never happens. Today, I got to sit down and speak with Liv Bowser from Liberate Studios, and we talked all about mental fitness. This is such an overlooked aspect when it comes to our overall wellness. Just a little bit of attention can result in big positive changes in our work life and our personal life and on so many different levels. If what you hear today resonates with you, then make sure you reach out to her and say hello. Her contact information and all different ways to learn about her are in the show notes, and I hope you enjoy this episode. One more thing before we get started, if you like what we're up to with the entrepreneurial hierarchy of needs and want to show your support, the best way to show us some love is to subscribe and leave us an honest review. We also have a Facebook group where we continue these conversations and offer so much more for all of our continued growth. I really hope to see you in there. My name is Tim Palladino and this is the Entrepreneurial Hierarchy of Needs podcast. Liv, thanks so much for joining me. I'm so excited to, to talk today about mental health. Uh, me too. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's one of those, uh, as we were just talking about, it's one of those things that's that's not uh, not as sexy as it should be. Um, the analogy I think we just made was like if someone has like a twisted ankle and they're on crutches, everybody will hold the door for that person. But if someone looks like they're having a bad day, you distance yourself from them and they kind of become the leper, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, in my opinion, my humble opinion, not acceptable. You know, we, we all have scars. We all have things that we feel ashamed about that we necessarily sh- shouldn't necessarily feel ashamed about because we're all humans. We're all going through these ebbs and flows. Um, and I know at Liberate, you're, you're doing lots of, lots of great work to, to, to prevent this and, and uh, kind of reverse the effects, right? Yeah. I, I like to think about what, you know, what we do, what we call mental fitness is more of like proactive wellness, you know, by no means does mental fitness replace therapy or professional, you know, medication or or guidance, but there's a way that we can proactively take care of ourselves. So on the, you know, those days that you're having a bad day, you just feel like all of those emotions are much more manageable versus Mm. feeling like completely helpless in those times, which I've definitely felt a lot. I felt feeling super weak in those moments and I felt feeling super strong in those moments. And the kind of proactive practice of building the muscles is what really helps me and our community members know that like, okay, we can make it through anything, even if it's not super fun and we wish it wasn't happening. We wish we didn't have anxiety, like we're going to be okay. And that is a really important shift. Yeah. And, and, you know, thinking about it as you're talking, uh, one of the things I'm, I'm thinking about is not only doing these things it, it, uh, that give you the, the tools, but it also gives you like that invisible line of self-esteem. I know I can because I've trained and that makes it even that much easier to, to actually get to the other side of, of certain feelings or certain days. I know, I know there's some days I wake up and just like, I just need to get through today. Mm-hmm. I just need to get through today. And then, and lo and behold, the next day is good because I did what I had to do. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like the the recognition that it's impermanent. Those moments are so scary sometimes because we feel like they're going to last forever, whether it's mm-hmm. panic attack or the feeling of sadness or the feeling of frustration. If you lost out on an opportunity or something, you're like, this is, this is my life. Like I'm going to feel like this forever. <laughs> but the, you know, the knowledge that 
even a bad day is only 24 hours. Yeah. Nothing is permanent. Like, you know, the clouds will part, the sun will come out and having that knowledge, it just lifts some of that heaviness that comes with mental health. It takes some of that weight off your shoulders. So it's so helpful for me to like remind myself with that whenever I'm struggling. And even on that note, like sometimes we need that other person to remind us because like we, we know it inherently because we've practiced it, but hearing it from someone else, it like, it, 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 it lifts off a little bit of a weight, right? Like I know for me, at least personally, like when someone like just reminds me, just nudges, like, it's just today, man, you're going to be good. Like as, as cheesy as it sounds like, it's like, leave me alone, mom. I know. But like, really, like it, it, it helps when, when we can kind of like be there for each other. So, I mean, it's even like, you know, you could follow a good account on social media that would post, yeah. you know, the sun always rises, even on the darkest yeah. days or, you know, something like we post on Liberated yeah. little reminders in your feed. If you're like yeah. doom scrolling can help pause and realize, yeah. okay, like I'm not alone in this. If it's popular enough to make a meme out of it, you know, other people are going through it too. And that also yeah. helps feel a little bit less lonely with it. Yeah. And there's such a power behind that too. And I think, I think when we get into those, those, those deep, dark places, sometimes, sometimes we can go real dark. We're not the only ones. We're not the only ones that have ever felt that. And I'll be damn sure we're not the only ones feeling like that at this very moment. So there's, and it's so interesting, that sense of loneliness when it comes to that, when we're the farthest thing from alone feeling that way. Yeah, there's actually a pretty sad statistic. Um, one in five people reported feeling lonely on like a regular basis pre-COVID-19. Mm. And now it's one in three people reporting feeling lonely on a regular basis with everything that the pandemic has brought and isolation and just a shift in social schedules and that. I mean, if there was one other person on this podcast, like one of us would feel yeah. lonely on a regular basis and it would probably be me. Like, it, you know, it doesn't matter how many people you're surrounded by that feeling inside can still exist and yeah. just knowing like even sometimes the statistic of knowing that one in three people feel lonely regularly makes me feel less alone less lonely when I, <laughs> yeah. yeah when I do feel like that because I'm like oh well so many other people feel lonely too like this is normal it's okay yeah yeah it's absolutely true it's absolutely true and um and it's funny too because whenever I think about that I never go into like the commiserate I feel empowered by that by that information um, so what are some of the things, uh, you, you offer with liberate that, that kind of, that does that preventative maintenance that, that what is, what's the saying my, my father used to say, uh, an ounce of, um, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of the cure. Ooh, yeah. I love yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that is, that's the notion behind what we do. Our classes are a blend of mindful movement. So it's light yoga or gentle stretching. And then we journal. We're the only studio to use journaling as an exercise. It's a really great way to, you know, put your thoughts down on paper, release worry, help form your goals, things like that. And then we hold space for conversation. Like you said, we're all super lonely and, or, yeah. you know, we all have moments of loneliness and it's great to just be able to talk it out and find community and what we're all going through. And then we ground practice with a meditation as well. So it's a really dynamic workout, just like a physical fitness workout, but focused on building skills in our minds, like courage and gratitude and presence and resilience. So every day, just, we feel like stronger. We're literally stronger every day because we have our mind as a muscle that we're taking care of. And if I'm going for a 30 minute run every day, that's great. But I should also be doing 30 minutes of something that helps 
strengthen and empower my mental well-being. And that could yeah. be meditation. It could be a liberate class. It could be reading. It could be Sudoku, like whatever you want to do yeah. to you. But for me, I had, I mean, most of my life, it was pretty imbalanced of focusing on physical fitness and being an athlete and working out and strengthening my physical body but I wasn't giving anywhere near the amount of attention and energy to my mental well-being, And that started yeah, yeah. to show when things did get tough because I didn't have those muscles. Yep. Yeah. It's the same here. Same here. Growing up it, um, I had the physical resilience, but I didn't have the mental resilience. So like I had a little bit of speed bump and it felt like I was hitting a boulder. Exactly. So yeah. Yeah. Journaling, um, journaling was hard for me to get into. And I, um, I tend to reinvent the wheel quite often. And one of the things that I started doing to make it more palatable for myself was I kind of came up with the idea of the translation between a thought, um, scribing it and saying it. So it really clears things up for me. So what I would do is obviously I would think the thought and then I would take the time to write it. I'd never do it at the same time. And it's a little bit different. And then when you say out loud what you've written, it becomes real. It was really real. And then you can actually go back and run the cycle. And then it, it personally, it's really helped me um, reduce, reduce what I'm actually feeling and, and put certain words and tones to it. So I can, I can control it. I can, I, well, at least feel, feel I can control it. Uh, just wrap my head and hands around it. Um, that's one of the things I've done with, with, uh, with journaling. Um, and it's, it's very important. I don't do it every day necessarily, but I at least do it once a week just to kind of rectify my thought, re reconcile my thought, I should say. Um, yeah. So that's super helpful. And then, you know, as you said, the physical activity with the stretching, it's just, it's so, so necessary for so many different reasons. For um, so many reasons. Like yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's not, it's not one dimensional. It's not one dimensional. Just the fact that if you stretch and you can bend somewhere better, like you don't have that one little tinge of pain that doesn't cascade into other things. It's so, so wild how, how there could be an avalanche of wellness from one, one action. Yeah. I know. I think that, you know, about everything we do, I mean, journaling is obviously mental, but there's, and so is meditation to a degree, but there's physical response that we have to being kinder to ourselves or, relaxing and unclenching our bellies when we're breathing. And, you know, it really is more of like holistic exercise and mind body exercise versus like segregating the mind and the body and treating them so separately versus like, we're, we're one being. So this is total being wellness and we're, you know, doing everything we can to help our mind, body and breath work as one, as opposed to treating them like they're three different people. Cause we're just one yep. person, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, that was the first time I ever felt stillness. Cause I bet you, so it was actually kind of funny the way I got into meditating, um, very weird story, but I was intoxicated at a casino and I, I came back up to my room and the, apparently the Arsenio hall show came back on and they were interviewing, um, Oh, the guy from Def Jam records. I can't remember his name, Russell Simmons. And he just released a book on meditation. And I was like, okay. So I actually bought the audio and I was driving home from uh, Atlantic city and I listened to the thing. And all it said to start with was when you eat, just be mindful about chewing and the flavors and stuff like that. And it was like, I actually started feeling stillness. Cause I was, you know, I was, I was the, the, the rampant serial entrepreneur always go, go, go. And it just, it just 
gave me this wave of relief to feel still again. Um, and yes, yeah, so there's so many different entry points to these things, uh, but inevitably they're, they're always worth it. I remember when I tried mindful eating for the first time, there was something that said to chew 30, chew your bite 30 times before swallowing and 30 times, like <laughs> maybe I do two normally. 30 times. It took me so long. I was eating an RX bar, which is already a pretty like gummy yeah. bar. You know, those. Yeah, it's, it's all dates. Yeah. Like it's, it's yeah. Forever to chew. But <laughs> my friends and I would do it together. We would just sit around a table <laughs> and chew. And it took a minute to chew a single bite, but it, it did make you so much more aware of the flavors that are going on yeah. in your mouth and what the texture of the bar actually is. And do you really like it? And, you know, like, just your surroundings. And it's, it's such a fun exercise for anyone who wants to try just to try to chew your bites 30 times for one meal. And it's going to completely transform the meal. I mean, you don't have to do that every time because maybe you're in a hurry sometimes, but Mm -hmm. it was a really interesting exercise of just slowing down something that we do all the time without thinking and feeling how different it feels to be more aware of the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I know sometimes I eat like a Pelican, just whatever I can fit in just one swallow. I'm done mm-hmm. off yep. to the races. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that that's super important. It's super important. Um, one of the, one of the other, one of the other things I was thinking about before was um, when people think about meditating, assuming that they've never meditated before or really had any interactions with it, they think that it's, it's a, a practice of absent mindedness. And I think, I think there's a big, big misnomer there. Can you, can you speak to that? Yeah. So I, I hear a lot as a meditation teacher, people say I'm so bad at meditating and it's not possible in my opinion to be bad at it because you're simply existing and allowing everything that exists to also exist and to come and go without gripping onto anything. So you know, sometimes you have moments where you have no thoughts and you're really present and those moments feel really good. And the more you practice, the more often you'll have moments. But even as someone who meditates every single day, I'm not absent-minded. I am hyper aware of everything in the moment. And when thoughts come, you acknowledge them and then they pass. So instead of being absent-minded, it's more so full-minded you're you're super aware of everything that's going on but you're not holding on to it so if you're meditating and you think your candle smells really good that's the thought your candle smells really good back to the breath not my candle smells really good maybe i should buy another one and then i'm gonna buy my Mm -hmm. mom one for mother's day and you know go on and on on this trail it is more of an acceptance of allowing everything to exist, including your thoughts without Mm -hmm. any attachment. It's not, you know, even in those super present moments, you're not absent-minded. You're just here in the now. Um, And it it might sound a little woo-woo if you've never done it before, but I promise those moments get, Mm -hmm. those moments get more and more um, regular, I would say, in the practice, the more you do it, even if they're super fleeting in the beginning. Yeah. And it's, it, um, what, what it kind of like translated to me, like in the real world, um, is that I'm able to get to digest thoughts better. Like I, I'm able to kind of triage, 
the important thoughts from the panics, like the animal thoughts of me being a mammal and, you know, the bright lights and the, the what ifs and stuff like that from what actually does matter. Um, mm -hmm. That was, that was super impactful for me for sure. Yeah. Um, when, when working, when working with your clientele, do you, are they more, more entrepreneurs or where, where, um, where are you seeing them come from? What are, what are their backgrounds? We definitely have some entrepreneurs in our community. I'm, you know, an entrepreneur. So I know <laughs> a lot of them who, who come to the classes and have since yeah. found them really helpful, but I would just say, you know, working professionals who are health conscious and recognize the importance of mental health. Some people have never done yoga. They have no interest in yoga. Some people come in and say that they're bad at meditation or they hate it or, you know, just kind of, you're not super experienced in the wellness space necessarily, but open-mindedness, I think is yeah. the most common theme across everyone who comes to class. And you're only doing like 10 minutes of each modality. So even if you're intimidated by meditation or you don't think it's your thing, you don't want to go to an hour long class, there's just enough that you're reaping the benefits and still holding your interest without being, you know, too overwhelming or too long. So I, I mean, I think for an entrepreneur as well, it's kind of a side note of, I think every entrepreneur should be practicing mindfulness, just speaking for myself as an entrepreneur practices mindfulness, because I don't think that I would be able to handle the rejection, the fear, the leaps, the courage that it takes to start your business and then keep it going day after day. If I didn't have the skills, the exercises and the tools that I needed to you know, keep me on track and keep me feeling good because there's, you know, always kind of obstacles in the way. And, and there's always directions you could look in for fear or rejection. And I can't imagine doing this without those skills. I think I probably already would have quit. So <laughs> I think for, for sure. entrepreneurs, it's really important to like, take care of your mind in that way, especially proactively, because even if everything's going well for your business right now, it might not in a week, something bad might happen. And so to be able to like feel prepared for that mentally, I yeah. think is really important for me. Yeah. And, and, you know, talking from a, a very realistic uh, situation, like if you're okay now and you're building a business, you're literally building a machine or whatever it is, or a widget that is going to outsmart you because new problems are going to come in and it's going to get harder. And like, inevitably, that's just, that's the nature of the beast. So by keeping these practices and, and, and making yourself uh, disciplined in a sense, I know it's a scary word, so I try not to use the D word, um, but by protecting yourself and becoming disciplined and doing things like this, it allows you to be at least on par at very minimum with the new problems that you're creating. And you want those new problems. You know, that's, that's, that's what the, the road to success is paid on. It's those obstacles. So, yeah, and it's just, and it's so many times in my own personal life, have I, have I hit growth spurts and I wasn't prepared for them. And it yeah. was, it was terrifying, terrifying. You have to answer to shareholders. You have to answer to employees and people in, that you have other relationships with. And it's like, I'm just not prepared. Totally. And, yeah. And not that like, you know, you can meditate every day and you're going to feel prepared, but <laughs> meditation for me like these practices help you realize how much space and time you have, or they help mm -hmm. me realize that. And so there's the stimulus and then there's a response. And without meditation, I'm like, ha, 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 like panting, 
everything's moving so fast. I can't keep up. I have no sense of control. And with mindfulness, I'm like, oh, there's actually space in between what's stimulating me and my response to it. And I can choose my response thoughtfully and feel more in control and empowered with my actions versus feeling like I'm just somersaulting down a hill Mm -hmm. as fast as possible. So it, yeah, I'm, I'm honestly so thankful and grateful practicing gratitude of, of my practice because I can see the difference in who I am and how I lead and show up every day now versus a year ago, honestly, three years ago, five years ago. Like it's just the muscle gets stronger every day. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, growing up, I, um, I was around EMTs and volunteer firefighters and they, they acted swiftly and accurately. And it always blew my mind, always blew my mind. And, you know, it took me a while to realize that there's a stark contrast between, uh, reacting and responding. Like you just said, um, and you, it, it takes, it takes repetition and it takes confidence and that self-esteem that you build along the way. Um, yeah, it's, it's so, so important. I'm going to caveat for a second and I want to kind of back up a little bit and talk about like kind of what, what led to the entrepreneurial hierarchy of needs and stuff like that. And my personal, like mental health journey, um, just for a moment, just to kind of, um, show, show my wounds. So, uh, people, people could kind of see where I'm coming from with a lot of this stuff. So a few years ago, some people know I, um, I sold one of my businesses, um, one of the greatest times of my life. You know, I had, uh, you know, all the money to do whatever I wanted to do and all the time to do whatever I wanted to do. Um, but one of the things I didn't have was an, a good understanding of who I am because I was so wrapped up in my businesses and not with who I am. And I didn't have, um, I'm not going to use the word balance. I'm going to use the word harmony. Um, I think they're, they're very different things. Um, but one of the, when going through the, 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 the time of not knowing who I am, I was moving forward with a bunch of question marks. So nothing ever felt satisfying, you know, and that's what this whole entrepreneurial hierarchy of needs came from because I moved to Berkeley for a couple of months just to kind of get out of Dodge and, and reset myself. But I would felt super lonely because I didn't know how, not how to connect, but who in particular to connect to. I didn't know who my community actually was. I got to be honest. I forgot. I didn't, I didn't, I haven't listened to at that point. I hadn't listened to new music in forever. I didn't even know it was like, what was popular or anything like that. Cause I was just so, so much in my little, my little dungeon of creativity. Um, and I had to do these, these exercises every morning. I would walk for two miles had a nice little, um, nice little path around the college. And I would ask myself these questions based on our health, my wealth, my relationships, uh, my recreation, was I playing enough? And like, what kind of business am I building? What's the purpose behind it? Um, and that's why, that's why this episode is so, so near and dear to my heart because I kind of had a breakdown. I was in the middle of doing a, uh, um, we, of course I started a new business cause I was like, oh, it's a seven figure exit. Let's do an eight figure exit immediately. Um, so I was doing a, um, uh, a webinar. And it was my first webinar ever and everything was set. You know, we built it super fast and we felt it was really strong. So we went for it and there's 93 people, everybody was ready to buy. And I choked. I was so stressed out that like, I couldn't speak anymore. I forgot what I was saying. And I remember it was, I was on video and my finger just like kind of goes up like a rocket. I'll, I'll never forget this. And so my finger goes up like a rocket and I just go, uh, technical difficulties. And I just hit the button and I just, and I, 
shut everything down and I went and took a nap. And I was like, what is going on with my life? And that's actually when, that's when I started doing the practice of asking myself the questions. And I was like, I got to get my shit together. I was like, I was just so, so lost and so broken coming off this gigantic win. And I was like, that's when I felt my like darkest and most lonely. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna mention names on a in data's privacy, but there was another entrepreneur who recently did the, I think he did, I think he sold his business right before I did. Um, and then started talking publicly about it. And I was like, oh, oh, I'm not the only one. This, this affects people differently all over the place. Um, so that's why I'm so, so dead set on, on mental health. It, it's, you know, that's just one perspective, um, but it's just so, so important. It doesn't matter if, you know, if you're, a, if you're a mother, if you're a student, an entrepreneur, if you work at a bank, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're, you're, you're good. It's an, there's an inevitability. It's part of the human condition that we are going to struggle. So we have to do something about it. We owe it to ourselves. We owe it to our loved ones. We owe it to everyone around us. But what are some practices people can start doing immediately? Well, first of all, I love everything you just said. I think struggle is inevitable is fully accurate. So thank you for sharing that. Um, there's, there's a lot of different ways that you can get started with mindfulness. Again, I, I totally recognize that it can be intimidating, which is why a lot of people don't start until they feel backed into a corner and you're like, I just had a panic attack. Now I have to work on myself, but Mm -hmm. we don't have to wait until we have a panic attack to work on ourselves. You know, (laughs) we can be building these muscles so that that panic attack never happens. That's the ultimate goal. And you know, it didn't, didn't happen that way for me. I had plenty of them, but you know, we can hopefully help other people, uh, work on it more proactively. So you can always start, you know, if you're looking to explore meditation and the concept is a little bit overwhelming, you can start with one minute of breathing and keep your eyes open. If closing them is a little bit too scary, which is totally understandable. And if seated or still is a little bit overwhelming, you can go for a walk. Just try not to listen to any music. Don't call anyone and literally just spend a minute or five minutes walking and breathing and looking at what's around you and just tuning into your five senses. What can you see? What can you taste? What can you touch? What can you smell? What can you hear? And that is mindfulness. It's, I think there's a lot of work to be done of like changing the definition or the perception of what mindfulness and meditation is so that it doesn't seem like this boring, stiff, still thing that like Mm -hmm. woo woo gurus do, but it's something that's like, like we were saying earlier, cool and sexy and like, it's fun and anybody can do it anywhere. And that doesn't mean that anything's wrong with you. It just means that you're taking care of your mind. And there's, you know, a lot of ways to start small. You could do a stream of consciousness journaling exercise. You could say, I'm going to spend the next minute writing down everything I'm grateful for and just write down as many things as you can think of without judging yourselves. There's no wrong way to do it. I think one of the biggest issues we see is that people are just not sure how to start. And honestly, it's same for entrepreneurs who have a good idea. Like sometimes the hardest part is just starting and deciding, okay, what's the first thing to do? What's the first step to take? So you're looking for the first step, go outside and go for a walk and breathe (laughs) and tune into your senses and let me know how it goes because that is mindfulness. That is meditation. And that is, you know, your first step. And then from there you can just build on it. Yeah. I mean, we seems we have all the facilities, our faculties, rather we have all the faculties 
it, it, we have them with us. We have exactly what it is that will give us the relief. Um, one of the, one of the sayings that kept on rolling around in my head when I was going through that, that time was, uh, I actually got into heavy into Buddhism too, at that point. Um, it was just by luck. And, um, it was that, uh, let me see if I can nail this. The, um, pain is inevitable. Suffering is the resistance of pain. So it was that really, really. So it was like, when I'm feeling these things, like if I pretend it doesn't exist, then it's going to uh, manifest or, or uh, magnify or evolve into suffering that that's a, that's a, that's a bigger hill to climb. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> I just did a podcast or not a podcast, a um, meditation on sadness the other day. And it's like mm. rejiggering the idea in your mind that when you're sad, nothing else can exist. And mm. there's no, there's no inverse to joy. So like you can be sad and, and joyful at the same time. Those aren't opposites and they can coexist and like being sad. Like you should be joyful for that because you have a full spectrum of emotions and you're human and you care yes. about something enough to be sad about it. And, you know, I'm talking to myself too, cause I was sad and it is such a good reminder that like I don't know. I think we've been somehow taught to avoid pain, but pain is pain is joy. Like pain is, you know, part and of an education. Yeah. So I think it's like part of what we do is, you know, trying to change the narrative around anxiety being bad, sadness being bad, pain being bad. Those things aren't bad. They're just mm -hmm. part of you and we can befriend them and coexist with them and learn to, you know, we might not always want them around, but we can learn mm -hmm. to, embrace them when they come and that will probably help them leave faster. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, that's a really good way to put it. That's a really good way to put it. I mean, they, they can be our friends. They can be our friends. And, I, and like you said, it gives us a, it gives us a perspective. It gives us a perspective that not anything else that I know of can outside of psychedelics, yeah. you know, like, yeah. so like, it's really, it's, it's, um, sucks in the meantime, but you know, it's, it's worth it when you reflect on it and the, 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 the good gets better mm -hmm. because you understand how far you are from that particular point. Yeah. So that brighter day is, is lit by you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So good. So good. Uh, we covered a lot of ground. Any, any final thoughts? Uh, well, first of all, this has been lovely. So thank you for having me. Um, I, I just feel as though my purpose is to with liberate and both, you know, as myself as well, to just remove some of the barriers to mindfulness and meditation and journaling and everything that comes into that, because I know the power that those tools can have on well-being on a daily basis. And my purpose is to make those tools as accessible as possible. So if anyone's not sure how to start, if anyone wants to start, if anyone wants a community for mental fitness and well-being, that is what Liberate is here for. So please reach out to me, reach out to us, try something new, put yourself out there. Worst case scenario is, you know, it's like maybe not your favorite thing ever, but <laughs> that's yeah. a pretty that's a pretty low risk. So yeah, try something new and you know, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. So all, all of your information will be in the, uh, the details of the podcast or, uh, on, on YouTube, wherever people are listening or looking to this. Um, and you mentioned one of my favorite words, community. Um, you know, when we, when we do things alone, it feels infinitely, uh, 
everything feels infinitely heavier. And it's, and when we go into a community with, so when I, I did jujitsu a while ago and it, I was empowered because I was with other white belts, I was terrified walking in, but everybody else had no idea. And it became fun because we were able to laugh at ourselves and really, really get deep into what we do know, what we don't know. And, and that the bonds that we created there were, were, were amazing. So I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, of community and, and I'm, I love what you're doing. Um, you know, when we met on our other show, um, it, 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 I knew, I knew that we had to have a conversation and I knew, I knew this was going to be uh, powerful for our audience. So I thank you so much for being here and, uh, hopefully we get to do a part two. Heck yeah. I'm in. <laughs> Count me in. Very cool. Thank you Very so much. Cool. Thank you again for joining us. And if you like what we're doing with the entrepreneurial hierarchy of needs and want to show your support, the best way to show some love is to subscribe and leave us an honest review. We also have a Facebook group where we continue these types of conversations and so much more for all of our continued growth. I can't wait to see you in there.